Hello, Hi Rock. Welcome to our daily devotional. Uh, we're going through the Gospel of Luke, and just like yesterday, I am still ill. Hopefully, I'll make it through this one too. Uh, we are in um, the passage now in Luke chapter 10, uh, starting in verse 17, where Jesus greets the 72 after they return from their journey. So we're in Luke chapter 10, verses 17 through 24, where we read this. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. At that same time, Jesus was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit, and he said, O oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever, and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. My Father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the Son except the Father, and no one truly knows the Father except the Son and those whom the, the Son chooses to reveal him. Then when they were alone, he turned to the disciples and said, Blessed are the eyes that have seen what you have seen. I tell you, many prophets and kings long to see what you see, but they didn't see it. And they long to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, I imagine that for most people, and maybe to some degree us as well, this is kind of a cryptic passage. What is what is Jesus talking about with all these things? And I, I just put that down to explain why I'm about to give you kind of my theory of what's going on behind the scenes. And I don't have any authoritative basis for saying this, just me just kind of putting together various details and wondering if this is maybe what's happening at the time. What does this mean when Jesus says, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning? I think there has been a fundamental shift in the cosmos at this moment when Jesus begins to see that his disciples are able to take ground in the name of the kingdom. This is no longer a mission just to insiders. This is people being sent out to take ground that has been lost. Uh, you know, the contrast here for me are scenes like, for instance, in Job, where Satan, in Job 1, Satan is in heaven. He's walking around and he goes up before God and he makes accusations and challenges. That seems to be a fundamentally different way of operating. Or when even when Satan comes to Jesus and says, you know, I can give you all these kingdoms. These things are mine. Uh, I'm in a position of power and authority. And what Jesus sees here, what he witnesses is the breaking of that power, the breaking of that authority. Satan is falling from his place. And the beginning of the end is now with them because the kingdom of God truly has begun to invade this world, not just in the person of Jesus, but now even Jesus's disciples are taking ground in the name of the kingdom. And so what we see here in these little snippets on earth is easy to miss or dismiss as not being important, but Jesus sees them as being monumental. They signal a much larger reality that is through the entire cosmos, that the power of the devil, the power of the one who has rebelled against God is now been broken. Now, an easy to mistake to make from that would be to think that, oh, things are going to be easy now. And I love, uh, there's this German theologian, Oscar Kuhlmann, 
who, uh, when you hear people around High Rock, you know, some of our pastors will talk about the now and the not yet. I think Taylor mentioned that last week. That now and the not yet comes from this theologian, Oscar Kuhlmann. And he, he uh, and for you theology nerds, if you want to look up the word realized eschatology, you can look that up. If you don't, don't worry about it. It's not important. But what's going on here is that there is a way in which Satan both has been defeated and at the same time is maybe more dangerous than ever. And the example that Kuhlmann used was the end of World War II. Uh, when D-Day happened, when Operation Overlord happened, the moment that the Allies firmly took hold of the beaches, the war was over. The power of the German Wehrmacht, the war machine, had been broken, and the outcome of the war was absolutely written in stone from that point. There was no way that Germany could hold on. However, and this is, I thought was really interesting, more people died after that day. Even though there was a very small part of the war left, more people died after that day than the entire four years of war mm. before that point. And so just because the power of the enemy is broken does not mean that they are less dangerous. Maybe like a cornered animal, they're even more dangerous than ever. And so I, I, I see this cause for celebration here where Jesus is seeing the power of the devil has been broken and power, true authority has been given to his disciples. And, and, you know, and even there, Jesus is cautious, like, don't celebrate the power that you have. Instead, celebrate that you're part of the kingdom, that your that your names have been written in heaven. Um, but to recognize that they're, this isn't always going to feel like this. There are going to be difficult things along the way. And so we shouldn't expect an easy time. But instead, like Jesus says, you know, uh, as his identity as a Messiah, the Messiah must suffer and that we must pick up our crosses daily, that there's going to be a path of suffering before we have the, the final victory. So between D-Day and, and V-Day, Victory Day, uh, there's, we're in that period now where the enemy has been defeated, but it's it's not yet that we can declare complete victory, and it's going to be difficult. Dave, I'm wondering what you see in today's passage. I know you love talking about demons and stuff like that, so I'm <laughs> sure you have a lot to say. Oh, it's my favorite. Um, I think there are a, a number of things in here that I think are good. Um, the uh, the first one is kind of um, in that first section, right after he talks about, I saw fate, Satan fall from heaven like lightning, and now he turns, and, and I think you've done a good job connecting, because that can sound a little bit like a non sequitur, right? Like, Hey, even the demons uh, obey us when we use your name. We're so excited. And then all of a sudden he's giving this like theological lesson. And no, he's actually, he's trying to kind of match their enthusiasm. He says, yeah, I saw it. Look up here. Let me tell you what I saw. You know, th that was all part of this same puzzle. So, you know, that actually, that's not as non, not much of a non sequitur as it seems at first. But then uh, verse uh, 19 can seem that way. I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. So a lot of people have read this and go, oh, all right, snakes and scorpions. And we all have heard about these uh, con congregations in Appalachia where literally every week a part of their worship is celebrating this power that Jesus has given them, and they pass around poisonous snakes. And every so often, you know, it's just YouTube has countless videos like this. It's really macabre. Uh, but everyone's every every so often one of the snakes actually bites somebody and they die. And of course, then they have to have this whole explanation about how why is it that that could have happened and maybe that person had some secret sin and whatever. And I think no, that is not what he's saying here. It's not literally snakes and scorpions. He's talking about the fact that the the serpent has long been sort of an avatar, a representative, a symbol for Satan. And this goes all the way back to, to Eden. And so that what he's saying is, is the, these, these uh, uh, 
kind of these sources of, of dark power and evil, right? Which we associate with snakes and scorpions. Uh, but really it's, it's over the power of the enemy. And so all these little expressions of the power of enemy, right? The, the, these little things that come along the way, right? It's not like you see the devil himself, but it's the, the, the little kind of attacks that you get. Nothing will injure you. And that sense that, that if truly we are, are walking in Christ, oh, they may get my body, but, but they can't get to my soul. They can't get to my spirit, right? They, they, that's, you know, my body is actually all they have access to uh, because I'm living in the power of God. In fact, honestly, I feel like I've been experiencing this in some ways recently. I've, I've been in a situation where I've just, I've had somebody who's been uh, just a very, you know, acting out out of a lot of pain has been pretty harsh. And, uh, and this happens all the time. I just, you know, especially as a pastor, we always walk in to situations where people are in a lot of pain. We we're sort of ignore people most of the time because they're doing fine and they don't need us. And all of a sudden when they're in like a crisis, there are a lot of pain. Well, that's when we walk up and that's when, of course, they're just kind of spewing all kinds of invective. And so I experienced that all the time. And it has for so long, it's been a challenge for me because it hurts. It hurts, right? Because I'm I'm insecure and I, I I'm a human. I like <laughs> these arrows when they, they strike me, they hurt. But the reality is that they don't need to because my identity is secure in Christ. And, and in fact, as I'm able then to, to really experience the affirmation from God, hearing like Jesus did earlier in the uh, back to two passages, but the most recent one in Luke here is that at the transfiguration, hearing that God say, this is my son whom I love. When I can hear God saying that to me, well, now I can walk into these same very kind of uh, almost you know emotionally violent settings and be completely at peace. Yeah, I see. They're, they're still biting. It just doesn't hurt. I, it, I experience it in a very different way. Uh, and I think that's really what Jesus is giving us this power to do is to be able to, to not, you know, it's it's not that we're, we're suddenly delivered from all physical reality. It's that that we we are, are have these spiritual power to be able to, to kind of live in connection with God all the time. I think that's really what Jesus is talking about. And the last thing I'll point out is uh, verse 20. Don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Right? They're all so excited about what they did, what they the powers that they had, right? The way that people responded to them. And she's saying, yeah, 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 that's nice. Don't get excited about that. You're missing the point. The thing you should be excited about is that your names are registered in heaven, that, that you are saved, that you are secure, that you are known, that you have a promise, an inheritance that's waiting for you, that can never perish or spoil or fade. That is what you should be rejoicing in. And here again, I think just like being able to hear the affirmation of God is what allows me then to walk into situations with people who maybe are not as affirming and, and just not be affected by it in the same way. I think if I know that my future is secure, nothing can take it away. Well, now I really can't be all that afraid, right? And, and that's the question, you know, what, what can man do to me, right? Like, and Jesus says, hey, don't, don't worry about the person who kill the body. Worry about the one who can, who can destroy your soul and throw it into hell. That's what you got to pay attention to. And I think the same thing here, that 
that there's this sense of, of real joy that my future is secure. And that actually gives me so much then a, a lack of needing to self-protect and self-preserve. you know preserve And it, it just turns down my fear instinct, which is usually what gets in the way of my ability to actually experience the love of God for people. And I think that, that enduring piece of focusing each day in the fact God, for whatever reason, I can't explain it. I got a lot of good reasons why you shouldn't, but God did save me. Okay. And that, as I can kind of connect with that each day, I can go and connect with other people in very different ways. Yeah, amen to all of that. And I think uh, one additional point I think of that that ties in with that is that when you do experience those attacks from serpents and scorpions or whatever, um, not only does that pain not rob you of joy, but it can actually drive you closer to Christ. It, can, it, it makes you able to appreciate Jesus all the more. Uh, Paul later says in Philippians that he wants to know the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. This idea that, you know, you think about like, if, you know, if a woman goes through a miscarriage, someone who's never gone through a miscarriage probably isn't going to be the per best person to comfort her. You just don't get it. But when someone has that same experience, there's this compatibility, there's this closeness of heart. And Paul is celebrating the fact that he's suffering in ways that allow him to appreciate and love Jesus all the more. And if that's what we're really about, if that's the thing we want most is Jesus, then, then suffering not only doesn't drive us away from Jesus, it gives us more of Jesus. That's how the, the enemy's work can't even do that. It actually just accomplishes the exact opposite if, if we're in Christ, if we're able to follow in Christ and hold on to that love. Amen. Well, you know. Why don't you pray for me, that uh, very thing? <laughs> yes, I, I will. Oh, our good and gracious God, we want to celebrate the amazing gift that you give us, that you hold us so closely, that you give us the joy of, of the Holy Spirit, and that even the attacks of the enemy, even the anger of the enemy, if we are willing to accept your love, Lord, that it does nothing but drive us closer to you. Lord, thank you for all these things and that our names are written in your book, that we're part of your family album, that we are um, close to your heart. May we hold you closer and closer to our hearts as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, friends, today is Mardi Gras, right? Fat Tuesday. It's the, the last day before we enter into the fast of Lent. And so I encourage you to be asking the Holy Spirit what kind of fast he may be calling you into this year. And we look forward to then beginning this journey towards Easter, uh, this 40-day journey. Uh, it starts tomorrow together. See you then.